This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. Everybody, I'm Chris. I'm Chad, reporting from the field. And together, we're a pair of normal guys. Absolutely. And yeah, like Chad said, uh, he he's uh, on remote, whatever you want to call it today. <laughs> yep, satellite, transponder. In the field. the seas, in the field. From an undisclosed okay. location. <laughs> yep, deep in the underground. On a high, from the High Plains Desert on a mesa in some place. Where the the little holes of the, uh, where are they, Uh, meerkats, where (laughs) they live, meerkat holes. Sure. Somewhere near that. Yeah, right. Where the buffalo roam. Oh, good movie. And the deer and the meerkats play. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If you want to, yeah. Jackalopes. Jackalopes. They're, yes, they're fierce. They can be. What's what's new in the world of Chad this week, sir? Uh, I am spending a luxurious um, insurance-paid vacation at the hospital being infused with uh, antibiotics. Do I, need to, do I need to start looking for a uh, second for the show? Uh, not yet. I'll probably know by midweek. Oh, okay, good. Yeah good i'd hate to have to train somebody else (laughs) well i mean train a monkey i think you'd be fine i guess (laughs) i mean you got enough sound clips you probably don't need anybody else you're you're probably right well what about you sir anything exciting going on with you oh not a lot uh got a, a new barbecue girl yesterday and put that together nice so tonight we'll have the uh, more animals to move in. We'll have the grandmother's day uh, barbecue tonight. <laughs> oh, groovy! What are you having? I'm not sure yet. I got my my. Hey, let's do something easy and do hamburgers and hot dogs. Got shot down almost immediately. So I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Get some of that canned Yeti meat. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> so. Anyway, Chad, uh, had a very interesting uh, news week this week. We did. 
And normally we would say from the pair o news or the pair o news stories, but I think this week we're just going to narrow it down to one. And I heard this a few different places, and even our uh, Mister William Blanchard, he even uh, shared this over on the old Paranormal Guys website. <laughs> yeah. So kind of a fun, fun little story going around, and I know you and I both have uh, our own theories <laughs> about the story. So w- without further ado, Chad, why don't you uh, wheel your hospital bed on over to the Paro News Desk? <laughs> All right, let me get over there. Hold on. Okay. All right, I think I got it. Here, let's see. Oh, now I gotta adjust the uh, the bed. Hang on. Oh, there, oh, there we go. All right. Are, are you in a right, Are well, you in a comfy reclining position now? I think I am. Okay. I well, am. sir, without further ado, take off with the wonderful, wonderful news story. All right, everybody out there in Pongland, fasten up your old seat belts and your safety belts and your regular belts and tighten them up as tight as you can because in Colorado, a hunter claims he was sexually assaulted by a Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot wasn't all he saw coming. Daryl Whitaker from Glenwood Springs in Colorado claims a Sasquatch attacked him and attempted to rape him while he was walking in the woods. The 57-year-old man was walking to his hunting cabin on Sunday to see if it had suffered any damage during the winter. All of a sudden, a large gorilla-like creature dropped down from a tree in front of him and punched him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It was at least eight foot tall, and its punches hurt like hell. I was knocked right out at the first blow. While Mr. Whitaker was trying to recover from the attack, the large humanoid creature began to tear his clothes while letting out some terrifying howls. When I regained consciousness, he had already torn my pants and was tearing through my underwear. I stabbed him in the shoulder with my hunting knife, and that made him run away. Mr. Whitaker immediately reported the attack to both the Glenwood Springs Police Department, the GSPD, and the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Agency, and a joint investigation has been launched. Investigators did find some extremely large footprints on the site, which they believe are those of the aggressor. Daryl Whitaker is convinced that the creature who attacked him was a Sasquatch, but the GSPD investigators say it's more probably that the attacker was simply a particularly large and hairy man. Bear. They're currently interrogating nearby residents. He was a bear, all right. Nearby residents to see if anyone noticed an individual corresponding to the description of the suspect. Big, hairy, and rapey. According to the victim, the attacker <laughs> measured around eight foot tall and is extremely hairy. He has brown hair, dark brown eyes, and extremely large feet. If you possess any information concerning the suspect, please contact the Glenwood Springs Police Department or the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Agency. Now, so, I, I, I know we, we talked about this yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. and we both have our theories. So I, I'm going to go ahead and put mine out there. Okay. I'm thinking that whether whether it was a Bigfoot or whether it was a hoaxer, this gentleman actually believes he was assaulted by a Bigfoot. And I think this because... Okay, nine times out of ten, if someone reports seeing a Bigfoot, they're automatically labeled as a kook, right? Yeah. So, if you know that you're going to be labeled as a kook just by seeing a Bigfoot, the hellstorm that's going to rain down upon you and you say, not only did you see a Bigfoot, but he tried to bugger you. <laughs> You're going to be labeled as crackpot times a thousand from there on out. So, to me, this guy, 
I'm thinking he he at least thinks that he was really assaulted by a Bigfoot. Because why else would you make up a story like that and put it out there? Well, and I have a theory on that. And I don't know this for sure. It's just a theory. Okay, and so go with, not, go with not, Chad's theory. I'm not theory. saying anything, but <laughs> let's say that it's a broke-back mountain situation. And you didn't bring you a change of clothes and things got a little rough. So, <laughs> somewhere... In your mind, you make up a, a shield, a suit of armor, as it were, that you weren't out there getting all jiggy with it with your uh, your buddy out in the woods. Your clothes got torn up, and you were assaulted by Sasquatch. Right. So that way, when you come home all scratched and clawed, and you know your underwear's got rips in it and coated and stuff, uh, <laughs> you know... You got a way to explain that because you're not going to drive home naked, most likely. I mean, probably not. Yeah. So, and, and anyway, you, you know the the and another thing that goes with the more your theory than mine. That picture mm-hmm. on the uh, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes, but the picture of the footprint from the alleged attack site—that's a uh-huh. pretty darn nice, perfect footprint. <laughs> It sure is. That's not one of those you have to look at it from five different angles and squint your eyes just right and go, well, there's maybe a footprint. No, that's one of those perfect as perfect can be and the nice, fresh, soft dirt footprints. That was made in desperation with fingertips and knees. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) But who knows? Hey, you know what else this could be? We didn't think about this. What's that? Maybe this is a new branch of the furry uh, contingency, and it's it's cryptid furries. So one group dresses as some sort of cryptid, and the other group is cryptid hunters, and they go out in the woods and have encounters. <laughs> it could be it. He just found the wrong guy. Big hairy guy. Yep, big hairy Bob. Yeah, I, I like how the story just says it could have been just a large, hairy man. And everybody's like, no, he was like eight feet tall. Um, um, he, <laughs> he was that hairy, and he was eight feet tall. I think there's other things they need to worry about. Yeah, if you're if you're eight feet tall and hairy enough to where people think you're a Sasquatch, then yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some issues. Exactly. But anyway, that was that was my magical news story for this week. I figured that was that was better than any two put together. That that yes, I definitely agree. <laughs> Party in the woods. Party in the woods. Yes, sir. You know they hey, and you know, thinking about it, and this is kind of on subject, but a little bit off. I know I've heard stories from I believe it was uh, a couple of the guys from is it Bigfoot Outlaw Radio? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Uh, I know. Yeah, I think that's one. I've heard them on a few different shows, and I know they've talked before about different ranchers around Oklahoma, and I think it's around Oklahoma and Texas, reporting that Bigfoot and his buddies like to come down and have some fun with their cows and horses. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Maybe Bigfoot's just a little bit uh, repressed. Could be lonely, Fr- frustrated, lonely Bigfoot. Frustrated. He probably went back to uh, his wife and his kid and that 
really nice mattress, a mattress cover they keep out in the woods. That purple mattress? And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know the one that he can't lay on. Exactly. He, he went out to he went out to get out of his aggression. So another thing to be afraid of in the woods now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's lots of things to be afraid of in the woods. Ticks, for example. <laughs> they just don't. They just don't rape you. Oh, apparently, there's a new tick disease out there now. Yeah, I heard that. I didn't hear any more details on it. I just heard that. No, I mean, no, that's the same with me. I, I saw the new headline saying something about new tick disease, worse than Lyme disease, and that was as far as I got. Yeah. It was one of those I kind of went, huh, and then then went on. <laughs> yeah, just um, hope I don't get any ticks. That's the last thing I need. I think you're safe uh, where you are right now. Hope so. I haven't found anything too weird in here so far. <laughs> Speaking of weird, Chad, uh-huh. tonight's show is uh, a little weird. Yeah. We're talking about the Goat Man. Oh, no. Tonight's show, we're going to talk about something bad. Wow. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, speaking of, if everybody's on the edge of their seat waiting for that second part of uh, Gene St. Gene's interview... Uh, that'll be up the next show, and I, like I said in the show notes on that, and the kind of little ending to that show, the next one is a lot more about the Patterson-Gimlin footage on that one, so that should be mm-hmm. really interesting. Yep, you better tune in for that second part. And like I said, that one will be coming up the show after this one. But, yeah, tonight, like we said, Goatman. And... There's a lot more goat men out there than I knew about, Chad. Yeah. Yeah, you know, being being from this area, we've heard all about the Popelik monster. He he comes in the up in the news every so often. But there's all kinds of other goat men around. That's right. There's goat men all over the place. You find them in Texas and I don't know, Arkansas, here, there, and everywhere. That's right. And the first one we're gonna talk about comes from up north, Chad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, sightings and encounters with large, hairy, horned man creatures have also been reported in Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Florida, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, Missouri, Oregon, Washington, and as far no- north as Ontario, Canada. But okay. to- but we're going to start out with the Wisconsin goat man. The cheesiest of all goat men. That's right. He likes the Packers and cheese. (laughs) But residents of Washington County, Wisconsin, have lived with Goatman legends that supposedly date back to the mid-19th century. The original story goes that a returning Civil War veteran was traveling with his new bride in a horse-drawn wagon along the desolate Hogsback Road when an axle broke. He left his companion with the wagon while he went off for help. After hours of waiting... The bride was startled by the sound of something sniffing and growling outside the wagon. She peeped out and was terror-stricken to see a dark, hairy creature with the body and head of a goat, but walking upright like a man. She hid in the wagon until the monster appeared to be gone and then ran off in the direction of her husband. She followed the footprints through the mud until she eventually came across his bloodied body hanging from a tree that was surrounded by hoofprints. Ever since then, it's said that the goat man preys on hapless drivers who get stranded on Hogsback Road. 
and they're never seen again. Spooky. So, don't go down Hog's Back Road. <laughs> Do not go down. I think I heard a country music song said that one time. I think that was Copperhead Road. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah I probably got that confused. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Well, if that one wasn't weird enough, let's talk about the Maryland Goat Man. All right. All right, the Maryland Goat Man, also known as the Goat Man of Maryland. Wait, what? That's conf- that's confusing. Yep. <laughs> I know. Many names, same face. Is a legendary satyr which supposedly lives in Beltsville, Maryland. According to the legend of the Goat Man, a scientist performed experiments on goats in the Beltsville Agricultural <laughs> performed experiments on goats in the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. And all went astray. He fused goat DNA into his system. <laughs> the scientist transformed into the goat man and started wielding an axe, which he used to damage cars, because that's what you do. Well, yeah. He currently walks <laughs> the back roads of Beltsville. The USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, has a facility that has actually been forced to deny that it ever happened. Nice. A variation of the legend tells of Goatman as an old hermit who lives in the woods seen walking alone at night along Fletchertown Road. One boy <laughs> was at his birthday party when the baseball rolled into the woods. The boy went to get the ball, and after a few minutes he screamed. His mother came running, and the boy said he saw the dark thing that stands in the corner of his room every night. Yeah. There's so many variations on the story of the Prince George's County Goatman, but it's nearly impossible to keep them straight. The goat man terrorizes lovers, chases teens, and decapitates dogs. <laughs> wow. Goat man already. He yells, squeals, and yes, makes goat noises. He's made reported appearances all across the region. He has inspired fear and fascination for decades. But according to historian author uh, Mark Opasinik, the foremost expert on the Maryland legend, there is a canonical goat man origin story, and it begins on Fletchertown Road in Bowie. The first media mention of the Goatman came on October 27, 1971, in the Bowie-based Prince George's County News. In the article, writer Karen Hosler, or Hosler, whichever one that may be, took a deep dive <laughs> into the University of Maryland Folklore Archives. She mentions the Goatman along with the ghosts and something called the Bowman that also haunts the woods around Fletchertown Road. Two weeks later, Hosler... Hoffler wrote another newspaper <laughs> article with the headline, Residents Fear Goatman Lives, Dog Found Decapitated in Old Bowie. The article described the search of a family, the Edwards, for their missing puppy named Ginger. Days later, Ginger was found near Fletchertown Road, dead and headless. Because, the you know, Chad, <laughs> yeah. only a goat man would decapitate a dog. Only a goat man eats the head of a puppy. I know. I mean, there's nothing else in the world that would do that. Yeah. I mean, ASPCA, that's one of the first things they tell you to look out for. Goat Goat man. man Your puppy's head. (laughs) The article connected the deceased dog with the goat man, saying that a group of teenage girls, including the Edward's 16-year-old daughter, April, had heard strange noises and seen a large creature on the night the dog had disappeared. They also reported sightings of an animal-like creature that walks on its hind legs were increasing along Fletchertown Road. On November 30th, the Goat Man got its first introduction to a larger audience thanks to the Washington Post. An article headlined, A Legendary Figure Haunts Remote Prince George's Woods, identifies the young men who found Ginger, Ray Hayden, 
John Hayden and Willie Gein. The Prince George's County Police also quoted in the piece saying that the legend just gets passed on from generation to generation and that they've been receiving more recent calls about go man sightings. Well, Pasnick grew up mere miles from Bowie in Greenbelt and remembers very clearly the first time he heard the Goatman legend. <laughs> he was in seventh grade and in the back seat of his friend's older brother's car. We would get rides when we would act up in the back seat. They would tell us to shut the hell up or they'll dump us on Fletchertown Road and the Goatman will get us. Well, Pasnick says he became enamored with the story. While attending Roosevelt High School, Pasnick and his friends would go Goatman hunting. In fact, searching for the monster had become a local teen obsession. Pasnick describes the Goatman parties on Fletchertown Road and nearby Crybaby Bridge, which I think a lot of people have probably heard of Crybaby Bridge and its haunted uh, aspects. Right. On Lotsford Road, it sounded like something out of Dazed and Confused. Halloween night, 1979, was one of the craziest nights of my life, Pasnick says. Dr. Barry Pearson is a professor of folklore in the English Department at the University of Maryland and was in charge of the aforementioned University of Maryland Folklore Archives. Even today, he says, if I mention the goat man on the first day of class, all the locals know exactly what I am talking about. Pearson thinks the legend of the goat man was influenced by car culture in the 60s and 70s, which gave teens the freedom to discover the world around them. It might also be tied to what students were learning about Greek culture and the half-man, half-goat god Pan in school. Certainly the newspaper accounts helped, and goats are, you know, kind of freaky anyway. Goats are known to be smelly and sometimes kind of charming, <laughs> but if you look at them closely, especially in their eyes, they're really scary in their own way, Pearson says. In 1987, Opasnik started writing for Strange Magazine and wasted no time getting to the Goat Man in 1994. He wrote what he thinks is the first thoroughly researched piece about the legend titled On the Trail of the Goat Man. He would later expand the article into a chapter for his book. He tracked down the Edwards family and the men who found Ginger. John Hayden told Opasnik he and the others had seen an animal the night before. It was about six feet tall, walked on two feet, and was hairy. Hayden also noticed that it made Hayden also noted that it made a high pitched sound like a squeal. Opasnik was able to speak with April Edwards, Ginger's owner. People came here and called it folklore, and the people's made us out to be ignorant hillbillies who don't know any better, Edwards said. But what I saw was real, and I know I'm not crazy. Whatever it was, I believe it killed my dog. Mark Opasnik doesn't believe the Goatman exists. I can't believe in something until I see it with my own eyes, he says. He feels bad saying that because he genuinely believes that the people he's talked to had, had seen something. I mean, anything is possible in this world, he says. Maybe there is a half-man, half-animal creature out there. <laughs> we're we're going with it go. being a goat man because they saw a six to seven foot tall hairy thing in the woods. Squealing. Squealing the night before the dog was killed. <laughs> yep, squealy hairy thing. Goat man. Well, I mean, that's the first thing I go to. I, I automatically thought goat man. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's the, at least at, half a dozen things that happen, I think, Goatman right away. As soon as I heard Dead Dog, that was the first thing I thought, Goatman. Hole in your muffler? Goatman. Goat <laughs> you know, put in there with his horns and that axe. That's right. It's funny. Goatman's a jerk. I mean, my, my lawnmower is still broken. You know why? Goatman. Goatman. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure. <laughs> what else would, what, what other explanation is there? 
uh, I mean, short of Bigfoot, coat pants. But now, Chad, if uh-huh. if it's not bad enough that we have them in Wisconsin and Maryland, I think the mecca of goat men is Texas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Texas uh, apparently has chupacabra and goat men. <laughs> and chainsaw massacrists. The, and that, yes. Yeah, so Texas gets it all around. It does. <laughs> Starting to line up for our... Uh, Texas Goatman, we have the Goatman of White Rock Lake. Mm. Located in the northeast quadrant of Dallas is the beautiful suburban area of White Rock Lake. The northern part of the lake is now a state park, while the southern area has been developed in the lakefront estates. Known not only for its beauty, largemouth bass, and white crappie fishing, it's also known to have a creature stalking its shores. Stories abound that while picnicking on the banks of the lake during the dusk hours, a creature of half-man, half-goat appears out of the woods, throwing trash and even tires at the visitors in attempts to drive them away. (laughs) Nice. It is described as a very large creature about seven feet tall with the horns and hooves of a goat, but standing erect. The body and legs are that of a man and the face is human-like. His skin is a jaundice appearance that is almost greenish, and he has long, gnarled fingers with grotesque fingernails. There have been sightings of the goat man as far south as Norman Gee, Texas, which is over 140 miles from White Rock. People have reported seeing and hearing the creature in this rural area where there are no goat ranchers to account for the sounds. Dun, dun, dun. Imagine. You know my favorite part of that? Uh, goat man is uh, he 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 throws trash at you. <laughs> he throws garbage, so we know he's into recycling. <laughs> he empties all landfills, so he can make another big pile of crap. That's right. He's got that nice jaundice appearance. That's right. <laughs> Almost green. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> big oh <old> tire. <laughs> nice <your> face. <laughs> Oh, but that's not the only Texas Goatman, Chad. Uh-oh. Now, this uh, is riddled with them. Now, this one, uh, this one takes a little bit more of a uh, dark turn. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, this is uh, the story of Goatman's Bridge. Okay. Denton's most famous specter is a story handed down for generations with a few variations, and that's the haunted Goatman's Bridge. Tra- crap. <laughs> exactly. Travelers to the old Alton Bridge, built in 1884 as a busy thoroughfare, have long reported frightening encounters and ghostly experiences with supernatural creatures that have made it a legendary spot for Texas ghost hunters and a topic for numerous books. According to the most circulated version, an African-American entrepreneur named Oscar Washburn and his family tended a farmstead goat herd near the bridge that was renowned for quality meat, milk, cheeses, and hides. When the popular businessman proudly hung a sign on the old Alton Bridge directing, This Way to the Goat Man, it infuriated local Ku Klux Klansmen who plotted violence. On a dark night... Exactly. (laughs) On a dark night in the late 1930s, a lynch mob of Klansmen 
stormed Washburn's shack and dragged the screaming goat man to their noose waiting on the bridge, tightened the rope around the begging Oscar's neck, then mercilessly flung him over the side. But when the night riders stumbled down to the dark river's edge to confirm their murder murderous handiwork, they were shocked to find only an inexplic inexplicably empty noose dangling over the undisturbed waters. Michael, we never found the body. Night Rider. <laughs> Night Rider. Uh -huh. Night Rider Joe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> the panicked clansmen frantically searched the area unsuccessfully before rushing to Washburn's shanty, setting it afire with the Goatman's family shrieking inside, perhaps to bait a desperate rescue attempt by the vanished Oscar. Washburn was never seen again, they say, but a vengeful spirit has haunted the old Alton Bridge ever since. Local legend says if you knock on the steel bridge three times at midnight, or perhaps turn off your car lights and honk three times in summons, then you dare a visitation from the vengeful goat man that's preceded by the stench of decaying flesh. Numerous reports tell of unholy glowing eyes that burn red from the darkness, eerie glimpses of a large snarling goat-headed man-beast stomping in the woods, wooded shadows, or a frightening apparition of a maniacal satyr carrying the heads of goats or humans in his hands. The terrifying encounters and reported vanishings have been so frequent, frequent as to warrant numerous investigations by paranormal groups. But like I said, there's more than one version that attempts an explanation for a century of recurring frights and sights encountered at the bridge. Some attribute to the work of Satanists, who opened a portal for a hellspawn demon, <laughs> while others what the hell you say I I do. <laughs> while others say the goat man's wife is eternally searching for her murdered children. There is also another variation that predates the bridge itself. In an account that may go far as far back as the 1860s Texas Troubles, some Copper Canyon cowboys lynched a Creole slave goat herder named Jack Kendall from a tall creekside tree where the bridge now stands, but ineptitude separated the runaway slave's head from his body. The slavers then watched in horror as the headless body raised itself from the creek bed mud, animated by voodoo, and ripped off the head of a nearby goat to replace his own, still dangling in the noose. Regardless of which origin gets told, old-timers warn that knocking three times on the trusses of the bridge is an invitation to judgment, since the ghastly goat man only spirits away those with the bloodlines of clansmen or slave owners into the woods for his terrible revenge. You won't find the names of Oscar Washburn or Jack Kendall in any historical records. Most ghosts are given names because we need to feel like we can know them. As a mentor once wisely advised, never let the facts of a story obscure the truths in the tale. So uh, how many people you think that live around there sent away for those DNA kits to find out if they could be potential goat man victims? Yeah, that one's, that one's kind of a dark goat man story. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Went south real fast. But uh, there's one more good Texas one, Chad, than uh, I think you're going to close out the Goatman stories with our own local famous one. We're going to bring this plane back home? We are. To get to the end? So, right. uh, the last one from Texas that we're going to talk about is the Lake Worth Monster, Chad. All right. 
Something monstrous is lurking among the singing cicadas and rustling reeds on the shoreline of the West Fork of the Trinity River. Oh. First spotted more than 45 years ago, the creature has been known to throw tires and scare teenagers. Oh, another trash-throwing goat man. Tire-throwing goat man. Surprised they don't have a tire out with a goat man on it. Real or imagined, the thing appears to be part man and part goat with scales and long-clawed fingers, witnesses claimed. It made the pages of the Daily Newspaper and whipped Tarrant County into a monster-hunting frenzy in the summer of 1969. They called it... It's a good song. <laughs> ...the Lake Worth Monster. Even today, stories of the monster, only known as Goatman, can be heard around campfires in North Texas. Researchers have made documentaries and written books. Lakewood Brewing Company even decided to pay respect with a limited-release Goatman beer. The stories are enduring. The lore is enduring, said Michelle Villafranca, a natural resource specialist at the Fort Worth Nature Center and Refuge. We have alligator sighting report forms. We don't have any Goatman sighting forms. Maybe we should start, Villafranca said. After all, he is north-central Texas fauna. Uh-huh. The summer of 1969 was hot and humid in Tarrant County. Back then, the area near Greer Island wasn't gated off like it is now. Teenagers would go down Shoreline Road around the lake to be alone and enjoy the freedom of summer nights. I bet it was some guys from school and they thought they'd start a band. Probably was. Yeah. They bought an old six-string. <laughs> Joey got married. <laughs> they should have known they never got far. Yeah, Goatman jumped up on their car. On July 9th, a group of three couples was parked by a clearing. Around midnight, a beast leapt upon their car from the trees above. The monster tried oh, to grab... <laughs> the monster tried to grab one woman, but they sped off before it could take her away, the witnesses said. According to the legend, the Lake Worth monster lives on the shores of the West Fork of the Trinity River. It can swim, climb trees, and eats fish and chickens. <laughs> it is seven feet tall and has unhuman strength. Some reports say that it has horns sprouting from its head, giving the monster the moniker of Goatman. We've had reports about this thing for about two months, a police dispatcher told the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, but we've always laughed them off as pranks. But an 18-inch gash in the car's side and the terrified nature of the witnesses led police to open a full investigation. It appeared in the newspapers the next day, and the area was immediately caught in monster fever. Is that what you have right now, Chad? Huh? Are you are yeah. you are you in for monster fever? I think I'm. I think they're giving me. A, she's giving me a shot for that. <laughs> Truckloads of men with guns headed toward Greer Island to hunt the thing. Spectators came out in droves to try to catch a glimpse of it. Reporters swarmed in, and police tried to keep the peace. Rick Pratt, director of the Greer Island Nature Center at the time, remembers folks coming out with wine, whiskey, and beer to have a good time and hunt for the creature. Here was a Sasquatch, our very own, Pratt said. It was a party. What the hell? Let's go. <laughs> On the night of July 10th, a few dozen people were at a clearing known for dumping near the lake when the monster made another appearance. He's going to throw trash at him. It appeared on a cliff, looked angry, and threw a tire 500 feet. Everyone, including a group of sheriff's deputies, ran away in fear. Run what? away! Run away! Run away! 
One witness said the monster gave off a pitiful cry like something was hurting him. It was because they ran away. It was. They he, left. He, he came just, out to party, too. He just wanted a friend. He, he just got, grabbed a beer and loaded a gun. He was ready to party with them. Craig Woolheater was nine that summer. He was fascinated with monsters, dinosaurs, and UFOs. He clipped out the newspaper stories about the Lake Worth monster scare and kept them in a scrapbook. Years later, while driving through Louisiana, he saw something unexplainable. In his headlights, he saw, he said, he saw the gray body of a huge primate on two legs. He became a believer and started the Tex Texas Bigfoot Research Center in 1999 to study and educate people about the elusive creature. Today, he lives in Mansfield and is a full-time cryptozoology blogger. He believes the Lake Worth monster was a real creature, like ones that have been spotted all over the country, stopping in the area because of its viable habitat. I personally think it's an undiscovered, uncatalogued primate species that walks on two legs, he said. Texas has a lot of, of uh, goat men, but they like to throw trash. <laughs> they do. They like to hurl their tires. They do. There seems to be a lot of just Bigfoot. Seems to be a lot of just spare tires laying around Texas. <laughs> Texas does have a lot of random garbage tires just laying all over the place. It's like if you don't want the goat man to throw stuff at you, stop arming him. Yeah, I mean, dispose of your dispose of your tires properly. <laughs> if you have any reason to go green in your state, it's to cut down on the ammunition that the goat man has. That's right. I mean, if if there's no tires for him to throw at you, what I mean, what's he going to do then? Throw yeah, throw flowers at you? No, he do like you know some other animals do and throws on poo. Oh, goat poo. Goat poo. Those right pellets. <laughs> yeah, those little goat pellets. Yep, this next one, Chris, is uh, close to home. It sounds like the title of a new ghost song. It's called The Pope Lick Monster. All right. Yep, and every urban legend, there is a cornerstone of truth. And every true story has a beginning. The story begins with a man who called himself Colonel Beauregard Schlicknick. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Schlicknick? We'll just say it's Schlittick. Okay. Although there is no record of evidence that he ever served in any regiment of the Army Services or militia, Colonel Schlicknick <laughs> was the owner and ringmaster of a traveling circus that performed across the heartland of America and into the Deep South Territories beginning in the early 1930s. Schlicknick's reputation was one of ill repute in the carnival business. He was considered a liar, cheat, and all-around charlatan. His crew of carnies and circus clowns were more of a gang of cutthroats and pirates and sideshow entertainers, and every town they visited left behind a series of unsolved thefts, missing persons, and grisly accidental deaths. One thunderously stormy night, while stopped in a small town near Beltsville, Maryland, the circus's bearded lady, Madame Bristels, discovered an abandoned infant left in a hay-filled crate outside her tent. The child was severely malformed, with stubs protruding from his forehead and misshapen legs that ended in what looked more like cloven hooves than human feet. Uh, she took the poor creature in and gave it food and shelter. One look at the twisted abomination, and Colonel Schlitnick knew that he had struck gold. He had found the starring attraction for his freak show. That would make him rich beyond his wildest dreams. He took the child and raised it in captivity, never letting it out of its sight or its cage until it could be fully exploited for its grotesque appearance. The beast grew in size and strength over the years, its stubs becoming full-sized horns, and its temperament is nasty, and as the treatment given to it by the cruel circus carnies, 
uh, charged with keeping it imprisoned, it spent most of its life chained to the wall of a cage inside a circus train, whipped brutally daily to keep it subdued and submissive, and fed only gruel and leftover scraps from the midway's vendor's grease pits. One fateful night during a thunderstorm as violent as the one on the night of its birth, the circus train was passing through Fisherville on its way to a performance in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> when a bolt of lightning struck the tracks, causing the train to derail just ahead of the trestle over Pope Lake Creek. The twisted wreck probably killed most of Schlitnick's crew instantly, but not all of them, since body parts were found as far away as two miles from the crash site. What is known for a fact is that the Goatman survived, and the tragic train wreck finally set him free from his life of torture, exploitation, and imprisonment, and it took revenge on the survivors by ripping them to bloody shreds. Colonel Schlitnick's body was never found, and it is suspected that a few of his cutthroat crew of clowns, circus freaks, and dangerous animals also may have survived the deadly accident, but were never found. Due to the number of missing persons, deer and livestock mutilations, and goat man sightings that have been reported in the ensuing years, there's a good reason to believe a goat man of Popelik never left the area. He is believed to have taken up residence in either an underground cave or a ramshackle hut somewhere in the wooded area near the train trestle. His inbred hate of cruel humanity has made him a bloodthirsty and dangerous beast to be avoided at all costs. Those that dare trespass into his domain have met their fate at his hands. The Courier-Journal records at least two confirmed deaths in 1987 and 1988, and recently we just had one a couple of years ago. Many of those close calls attributed to the Popelik monster in his protected trestle. The trestle rises 90 feet above Popelik Creek, and stretches 772 feet across to the other side. Although incapable of human speech, the goat man is said to be able to mimic human voices. It has been known to call out the names of those who have climbed to the top of the trestle in order to lure them onto the tracks, just as an oncoming train is coming around the bend to seal their doom. On weekend nights during the month of October, and especially during the cycle of the full moon, the goat man is said to be most active in the woods and hills surrounding the Popelik trestle. Those who have attempted to drive beneath the trestle at the stroke of midnight have been reported being chased by the beast, who can run at speeds of nearly 60 miles per hour. Wow. And more than one report has claimed the loss of their car door handle or bloody claw prints left on their car door after the pursuit. In the mid-1970s, rumors of a satanic cult and demonic rituals began circulating in the same area along Poplick Road, and reports of missing dogs, cats, and other domestic animals were suspected of falling prey to satanic blood ceremonies. A mysterious farm known as the Four Winds down by the street, a few miles from the train trestle, was suspected of being owned by a group of Satanists who worshipped the Popelik monster as the living embodiment of Baphomet, the goat of Mendes himself, a mocking of the image of the Lamb of embodiment of Christ who had died for the sins of humanity. The Four Winds Farm was surrounded by a red and black painted fence through the 1980s and into the 1990s, with a sign at the front gate warning, trespassers will be persecuted. Strange tribal drum beats and chanting were often heard in the woods behind the farm's barn. Another potential danger in the area is the group of angry farmers and residents <laughs> who constantly suffer in fear from the monster's attacks on their livestock and families. Some of these residents should be considered armed and dangerous. It might not take kindly to anything or anyone lurking about that area after dark. The legend of the Popelik monster and the haunted railroad trestle it calls home have been passed down through the oral tradition and spread about over three generations of Louisville culture. Is it all myth and urban legend, or are some of the stories rooted in truth and local history? So there you go. 
That's right, public monster. <laughs> so bring it back home. We got our own goat man working close by. That's right. I've been out there to that new park they built um, near the trestle. It's pretty nice. Oh, yeah? I don't know that I want to be out there at night, but yeah, they've got all these walking trails and got a couple big field areas and stuff. It'd be a good place to fly a drone. You heard any strange drumming and sounds? No, I saw a snake. <laughs> well, there you go. There's, there's a little snake crossing the road when I was out there. Did, was it evil? Was it an evil snake? I mean, Katrina said it was an evil snake. I said it was just a snake. Oh. Tiny, tiny snake. <laughs> tiny, tiny snake? <laughs> yeah, it was a tiny, tiny snake. So, Goat Man, Chad, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's pretty unique that it likes to hurl garbage at people. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'd say that probably some of those sightings might be a mistaken identity for maybe Bigfoot or maybe a bear. Dog man. Just a large hairy man, large naked hairy man in the woods, which seems to be the thing that's going on right now. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, along those lines, I mean, if you believe in Bigfoot or dog men, hey, why not goat man? Yep, just file it away in a file called therapist. Wait a minute, (laughs) there's no space in between D and rapist. Hold on, there we go. Oh. Now that that guy was probably traumatized, Chad, and you're making—I'm sure he was—and you're making fun of him. I'm not making fun of him. I'm just throwing other examples of things that could possibly have happened out there. Oh, well, so it's that—it's that, that journalistic mind of mine. There he, well, there you go. <laughs> Investigative journalism. Cub reporter Chad. That's right, sir. Regular, so there you go. Regular Jimmy Olson. That's right. So. Yeah, goat man, Chad. Uh, yep, don't see anybody starting a little goat man farm anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think anybody's interested in purchasing the cheeses of goat man. <laughs> go to the petting zoo. Mm-hmm. Feed the goat man. You go up to the gumball machine and get a bunch of those little things that look like uh, dog food treats out of them to feed to him. I don't think anybody's going to be doing that. You might get a tire chucked at you. Might. But you know a place that you could go that you won't get a tire chucked at you, Chad? Where's that, Chris? Paranormalguys.com. <laughs> All right. That's right. That is the home of Paranormal Guys, and you can go there and listen to the show, see some pictures, send us an email. You can submit your own stories. Because <laughs> we like listener stories. We do. Chad has grand ambitions of one day getting enough together to where we can do an entire show of just listener stories. Yep. It just got to have a little more content to them, because otherwise I'm going to need a bunch of really short ones. <laughs> but yeah, go on over to paranormalguys.com and see all the stuff we're up to. That's right. Check out those past episodes. <laughs> That's right. And you can also go over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash paranormalguys. And Chad updates that quite a bit with all kinds of neat little stories from around the world. Involving odd things. <laughs> That's right. Give us a like over there. And while you're liking our Facebook page, go on over to William Blanchard's Facebook page. He's the gentleman that supplies all the music for Paranormal Guys. He's a musical genius. Thank you. 
You're welcome. And you can like his page there at facebook.com slash William Blanchard Soundtrack. And like one other thing, like I did say, I believe it was last episode. If you listen to the show on any of the sites where you can give us a rating or a review, go ahead and do that and let us know how we're doing. Give us a big thumbs up. Give us the finger. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but until next time, have a paranormal weeks. Paranormal pretty guys. We got brains too. <laughs> sure. <laughs>